you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. David, football, football, David. The David. Damashek football program available on iTunes and at davedamashek.nfl.com. Now here's your host, Dave Damashek. Hi and hello, football fans. It's your old pal Dave, Dave Damashek. What's going down? I hope all's well wherever you are. Welcome to the Dave Damashek football program, available as always on iTunes, Stitcher, and NFL.com/slash/shack. I'm ready to go. My belly is full of a nice midday salad. You know, I recommend that to all within my voice. Once in a while, I'm not suggesting be a salad guy every day of the week. But let me tell you, you get yourself some nice lettuce. Of course, the dressing is going to be a key detail there. But to me, the holy triumvirate for a successful salad that's going to, you know, satiate you you know it's not one thing to eat healthy but then so often when you eat a healthy salad then you feel like all right now when do i get my sandwich with a healthy when the sandwich is to be the meal you have to have these items hard-boiled eggs blue cheese beans beans make a salad good garbanzo beans will do kidney beans work nicely Trying to think if there are any other beans that might fit in in a pinch there. I don't know, but you know what? This isn't the time or place to talk about it because the draft is coming sooner than you realize it is. Let's kibitz about that. Let's kibitz about the world of pro football with one of our favorites. In fact, Black Tie Behind the Glass, I think he's worthy of, you know, we do the Shecky Awards at the end of every calendar year to honor all that is important on the face of uh, of the big, big blue marble. 
Maybe we should do quarterly awards. And if we were to do quarterly awards, I would say our MVP guest so far has been this man seated to my immediate left. Here he is. He's got his new mock draft up. Mock draft three and starting on Wednesday night at 5.30 p.m. Eastern, I believe, and then 9 p.m. Eastern again on NFL Network. Uh, mock draft live along with Matt Money Smith and Daniel Jeremiah. This is Bucky Brooks. What's the poop, fella? What's going on, Shaq? What's happening? How you doing? I told you I just had a nice salad. Have you? Do you ever enjoy a salad for a for a meal? It counts as your meal. Yeah, it counts as I'm, I'm good with yeah I'm good with salads. I like you know strawberry field salad sometimes. A little chicken, strawberries, put some fat in it, a little stuff. I don't like when people put fruit in the salads. Give it a little nah, nuts in it. Give it a little. Little sweetness. Yeah, I don't get the fruit. I know, listen. Maybe I'm curmudgeonly on this subject, but to me, mixing fruit in with other foods is not is what was never meant to be. That was not supposed to. That's an experiment gone wrong. I have hail, though. I feel sad that we, as as a species, went so many thousands of years without figuring out that if you take dark chocolate and put some salt into it, mm. you know, look at. I mean, that, what, when did that happen? Five years ago, yeah. my life's been changed as a result. This thing of putting fruit into your into your other stuff, into your meals, that's no good. Oh, you, you, you're not you're not, feel, you're not That's a snack. Fruit. A fruit's a snack, or it's a something to have after. But anyway, listen, Bucky. We have a lot of important business to get to. Let's get to like it. I say, what you got? Mock draft three is up. You still have your main man, Jameis Winston, going number one there to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and you have Leonard Williams. I don't want to tip the whole thing. I want you to go and look at it at NFL.com and uh, peruse it for yourself. I'm intrigued, though, by the Leonard Williams call there at number two because, as you've told us so many times, what is going on? We're in the middle of having a conversation. Before we get to that, guys, one round. Elimination chamber. All Here right. we go. You're talking about salads, and I see you have a bottle of water there, so I had a question to ask. All right. El- eliminate one of these water brands. Arrowhead, which is what you're drinking right Are now. Are you crazy? Fiji. Evian. And smart water. Eliminate one. I don't know what smart water is. I thought it had flavor to it. No? Smart. I like the kind I like I, I if I have a choice, I take my water with bubbles. I like it that way cuz oh, yeah, I'm a little Perrier. Yeah. Huh? I like oh, yeah, you can uh, you know what? I'm not so fancy though that it's got to be Perrier or Pellegrino. I'll enjoy that. You know what though? I go to the grocery store, I get myself club sodas, cans of it. Cans of club soda. Oh, it's extra crisp that way, buck. No, no, I can't I can't agree there. If if you're talking about the water and and what I eliminate? Normally, I would probably get rid of Fiji, just because it's always the most expensive when I'm going through it's the expensive. airport. That's some expensive water. It tastes though that Fiji water. I swear, maybe it's the power of suggestion and the flowers on the. Uh, <laughs> I could swear that it has a hint of something floral in it. It has a little flavor to it. Maybe I'm crazy. I always, I, I ever since somebody pointed out to me ten years ago that Evian water is a sp- naive Evian. <laughs> naive backwards uh you understand the words i'm trying to say here mm. but trying to string together so i feel like a sucker if i if i use that one so um anyway like a, aren't you a sucker for just believing that and not trying evian well i've tried it yeah of course i've had it you know I don't, you ask me a ridiculous well, question what do you ridiculous. want me to have drinking I... water you were talking about salad for the first five minutes i figured it'd be a good time to ask evian used to be a great water though i used to call it uh, milk flavored water but it fell off 
it fell off. I Not love good anymore. There, you know what? I'll tell you, there are simple pleasures in life, and this one now, as a as a grown up, I don't uh, derive as much uh, pleasure from. But as a kid, where, there were so many times where you saw you're you're running around in summertime and everything, and you see that water fountain in the you know out outside somewhere. I mean, are there few there, there are few pleasures greater than getting to get into that uh, water fountain when you're all hot, right? Buck, you're, you've spent plenty of days on football fields. Plenty, plenty of days, football fields, gyms, at the basketball court, nothing like playing a little hoop game, finishing as a winner, running out, getting a little water, a little cool, a little refreshing, coming back, staying on the court. Is that still a thing, though, I wonder? Because now everybody has their bottled water. Do kids even no, know I the pleasure still, of having that? You still go to the water fountain. You still hit the water fountain. All right, now let's kibitz here. After that rude interruption by Black Tie, as I was saying, Tennessee Titans, I'm intrigued right now, is because as you have pointed out to us rightly, and we've seen it play itself out any number of times, if a coach, especially a newer coach, mm-hmm. Ken Wisenhunt now in year two down there in Nashville, if he swings and misses with his QB, if he takes Marcus Mariota, I should say, with a high draft pick QB, and Mariota doesn't play out, doesn't work well, that's going to be Wisenhunt's gig too. That's that's how it seems to work. You draft a QB, that guy flames out, you go with him out the door. So is your projection Leonard Williams to Tennessee based more on Dick LeBeau's need for that sort of a playmaker, or do you suppose that the Tennessee Titans look at Mariota and say, yeah, he might be good, but then again, we're not sold for sure. Combination of factors. I think Leonard Williams is the best player in the draft. Hmm. Uh, I think when you look at his game, uh, he shows clear dominance as a young player, uh, dynamic off the point of attack, uh, great first step quickness, agility, has strength and power. And when you talk to scouts, they say like he hasn't even really learned how to play the position yet. And so when you're looking at a young guy that's that athletic, that has the versatility to play multiple spots along the line, that brings immediate disruptive potential, you typically rate those guys high. And looking at Tennessee, I think the big thing with Marcus Mariota and Ken Wisenhunt, it doesn't appear to be a, a natural fit. Yeah, it doesn't, at, right, look at based the on the way we, the Wiz has uh, Yeah, done you look things. at the quarterbacks that he's, he's been around, that he's dealt with, that he's coached. Marcus Mariota is so – atypical of those guys. He's an athletic guy, a guy that prefers to do his damage outside of the pocket. Wiz typically does it with guys that are in the pocket, that are stationary, that do a great job of delivering the ball on time with anticipation. Marcus Mariota is a good college player. I just don't think he's a great fit for what Wisenhunt wants his quarterback to do. Do you th- When you mentioned Leonard Williams and the most talented player in the draft, in my brain, I've never sat down and, and uh, you know calculated these things out, but I if for if for me it seems like defensive linemen are the hardest to grade just based on rate of success in the draft. What do you have any idea about that? Is it about the same across the board by I, position? I mean, I think I think every scout has kind of a blind spot, a position that they just don't necessarily get right, and so maybe sometimes guys flame out in terms of like. Uh, mis-evaluating guys because they're really not good at evaluating their position. For me, I don't think defensive linemen flame out at a greater rate than other positions. I believe you have to know exactly what you're taking at the position and how it fits related to your scheme. Leonard Williams is a guy that can play, I think, in any defense. Reminds me of Richard Seymour. I've heard comparisons of Kevin Williams from Minnesota, a guy that can play – 
He can play over the nose. He can stretch out, play over the guard. He can even go outside and play over the tackle. And so when you have that kind of versatility plus the athletic attributes that he brings to the table with the production, you're talking about a top five talent, a guy that should be a transcendent star in the National Football League. That leads you to believe that he'll be a top five pick, Boy, someone well, that dominates. I mean, he certainly cuts the figure of, uh, I mean, he's just a, a massive human being. But who is, who, I'm, I'm trying to think, like, I, I'm, I'm stuck now on these defensive linemen that didn't work out. Eric Curry was a big one that, uh, who was the kid out? Way back now. Yeah, well, I know. But what, what about, machine. I'm, this is about 10 years ago, I'm going to go. The kid from Penn State who was the can't miss defensive end. Courtney Brown? Courtney Brown. Yeah, why why didn't he Courtney work Brown, out? Courtney Brown, LeVar it, it just depends. Like sometimes it's about fitting scheme, sometimes about knowing that player, how passionate are they about the game. Sometimes injuries play a part. In Courtney's case, I can't really remember what kind of led him to fail to live up to the reputation. But look, he went first, LeVar Arrington went right behind him. They were two really good players based on everything that you saw at the collegiate level. They were worthy of being guys in consideration at that point. Sometimes you just don't know. There's that inexact science to the evaluation process, and sometimes guys just don't play up to what you think that they will be based on their draft position. I, well, I mean, it's just a fascinating thing that as much time <clears throat> as you personally have spent and as many other people, they pour over these things, that the hit rate is about 55 to 60%. Well, I mean, it's a special game. You're talking about the best football players in the world playing in the game, and sometimes it doesn't work out. So no matter how talented a player is, you don't know – um, what you're really getting until you bring him into the room. Because if you think about the amount of time that scouts actually spend around a prospect, at a max you're talking about 48 hours, if that. Mm-hmm. You have combine, pro days, team visits. That's all the time that you really get to sit with a player and to find out who he is and what he is. And if he's a good actor, he can fool you. So you really don't know if these guys are very passionate about football. You don't know how they learn and take information from the board to the field. You also don't know how they handle their own level of adversity. And so when you're dealing with guys that have so many things thrown at them, any little thing can send them wayward. And because of that, you may not get the player and the production that you expect when you draft someone. But do so, but their coaches, their college coaches, fib on their behalf and say, oh, this – this kid's a this kid's. Oh uh, yeah, I mean sometimes coaches will uh, blow up one of their own players because it's in their best benefit to see their players get drafted high. Uh, but sometimes short term, but not long term. Not long term, because then you would never go back to that coach and ask his opinion again. Yeah, yeah. you lied to me on so and so. Yeah, but that's why as a scout, your job is it's a relationship business. Your job is to build relationships with the coaches on the staff, uh, administrators around the program, and even in towns. I would frequent some establishments and ask those people. It may be a hostess, maybe a waitress, it may be a, a manager. Hmm. Hey, have you seen these guys come in and what are they like? And a lot of times the best information you would get will get from people in the town that really don't have a dog in a fight, but they will give you all the information, the skinny on these guys. And so you take all that, build a profile, and you're hoping that the guy's profile is really solid because if you have a solid profile, meaning the background, the character, the intelligence, all those things work out, then you can get the athleticism. And I the love the idea you going into TGI Fridays. Absolutely. Talking to the oh, staff there, yeah, the bus boys. We have some, we have some covert missions. We'll go <laughs> That's to, awesome. Um, <clears throat> there have been times where I've, you know, I've, I've gone to uh, night spots with some of the fellow scouts, and we'll go incognito and kind of hang out and see how people interact with one another. You'll spend a few days in town. Um, 
just kind of undercover asking guys about certain players, trying to get the real background on a player so that you have a better idea and a better picture of what that player is away from the game. So now you can see how that would affect how he approaches the game and how he ultimately plays. Well, all right, a specific question is, uh, and I heard some curmudgeons uh, down on Mariota for this, that Mariota doesn't care, apparently, if he's the first overall. Does that bother you? Because I know, I have heard that some scouts are bugged by that, or teams overall don't like that attitude. Ideally, you want to get as very competitive. And so uh, he can be competitive without saying that, look, it's important to me to be the number one overall pick. You have to do your research as a scout to dig down and see what makes him tick. You want to talk to his teammates and see what is this guy like on game day? What is he like when we face adversity? How is he when it comes to clutch time? Does he have the ability to take his game up a notch? Better yet, can he help you guys take your respective games up a notch? And so when I look at Marcus Mariota and I've seen the success that it had at Oregon, he was a key figure in that. He may not come off as the stereotypical fiery leader that we expect the quarterback to be, but that doesn't mean that he can't lead in his own right. Think about the success that Eli Manning has had. At the end of the day, Marcus Mariota needs to be able to hold his teammates accountable for their performance while also holding himself to a higher standard. If he does that, the guys will follow him. When people talk, he produces. Well, when people talk about that, what is that dynamic? And I'm sure it's not, you know, uh, uh, there's not a universal answer to this. Clearly, Aaron Rodgers is a different cat than than Peyton Manning, and Peyton Manning seems pretty different than Brady and, and so on. But why, so what is that? When, when your teammate fails, the successful QBs, do they all go to the player and say, what are you doing, man? You're, you're, you're killing us, and yet you still have to be likable to the team. Is that the, the trick of being a quarterback in the NFL? It's a combination of things. Along yeah. with throwing lots of touchdowns. Yeah. You have to be able to play. Production is paramount. Production right. and performance is paramount. So you can rah-rah and do all those things, but if you can't get it done on the field, no one is listening. Uh, That's I'll, my problem. I can rah-rah like nobody's business, Bucky. I also have a whip, too. I really do. My left arm, it really is my mother not letting me play when I was a kid. <laughs> that was really what undid me. You know, you know? the funny thing, my, my opinions on quarterback are shaped by my experiences. I was fortunate enough. Uh, Hall of Fame quarterback in Jim Kelly, when I first came into the league, I saw his commanding presence, his ability to lead the team, the way that everyone responded to him. He was a take-charge guy as a young receiver. That had to be something. He, he seems actually, like he'd be scary to he, a kid. Yeah, he actually – and, you know, it's funny because Thurman Thomas, Andre Reid, all those guys were in the huddle. Kent Hall, the late Kent Hall, was the center there. Those guys kind of commanded the sway in the locker room on the offensive side of the ball. Jim Kelly, what he said goes. So – you responded to that. I went to Green Bay. Brett Favre was in the middle of his three straight MVP run, mm. watching how he played and how he performed. Uh, there was a bit of magic in his game. So whenever he was on the field, we always felt like we had an opportunity. We had a chance. If we just get the ball back to Brett Favre, he'll find a way to get it done. And so was he a guy that stood in front of the room and, and, and had these epic speeches? No, but at the end of the day, when the lights were on, he played. And because he played at such a high level, people responded to his, his leadership. When he prodded you, you responded because you knew he was going to play at a high level. But maybe the best leader out of all those guys was Rich Gannon in Kansas City and then in Oakland. Played with him in two different spots in Kansas City in 97. Uh, we had a 13-3 record. He came in for Elvis Gerbach and led that team. He took that team over. We made a mistake of going back to Gerbach in the playoffs. 
team didn't play to their level. We lost to the Denver Broncos as they fourteen to ten, Bucky. I know all about that '97 season. Bowl. But what Rich Gannon did, he took the same things that we did in Kansas City. And he went to Oakland when John Gruden was the head coach. He replaced Jeff George, and they went on to have a lot of success in Oakland because Rich Gannon demanded that guys play at a higher level. We had a thing, small story, in Kansas City, we had a rule where if the quarterback threw an interception, everybody off the sideline had to go run and chase because the emphasis was don't give up pick sixes. You throw an interception, do not let them score a defensive touchdown because – Statistics will show when you give up a pick six, more than likely you're going to lose the game, stuff like that. We go to Oakland. First day, first minicamp, a guy throws an interception, and the team didn't chase. Rich Gannon implored everybody, Mm. look, this is how we have to do these things. This is the way that we approach the game. We play in a certain manner because this is how it's going to lead us to have championship-level success. Rich Gannon had that fire. He had the ability to to lead the team, not only with his performance, but with his actions. And so ultimately, as a quarterback, you're looking for a guy that can stand in front of the room and command the respect of his teammates. And if he has to speak up, he does. But everyone responds to him because they know he's the hardest working guy in the building, and he's also going to be the productive player that you want at the position. Boy, fascinating. And also, you didn't even invoke the name Mark Brunel there. Who's you know, a completely like, different sort of a guy as completely well? Completely different, and, and that's but not a successful QB. That's not obviously. a slight to Mark Brunel. No. Like we went to the AFC Championship game in Jacksonville. When I got there, we were three and seven. We end up going nine and seven. Uh, we knock off the Buffalo Bills in the playoffs. Knock off the Denver Broncos. Lose to New England. Mark Brunel was still young, still kind of finding his way. Productive, quiet type. He grew into the position of being a leader. He was a guy that you know he was in Green Bay. He played behind. Brett Favre and Ty Detman was there, finally gets his opportunity, made plays. As you make plays, people begin to look towards you to be the leader. And so the more plays you make, the more sway you carry in the locker room, provided that you're doing it the right way, meaning you're a good worker, you're a good leader in the classroom, you do all those other things well, they'll follow you. But you have to make sure that the intangible qualities are there before everyone would jump on board. I think Marcus has those traits he just has to be a little more forthcoming and maybe a little more demonstrative in his actions to get people to rally. But I think from a performance standpoint, he was the best guy at Oregon. People rallied behind him because they knew he could get it done. Ultimately, that's what it's about. What, who of those guys is was the funniest? Brett Favre, right? It had to be. Brett was hilarious. Yeah. He was funny because he was young. He was one of the guys. He was like a guy's guy. Like he rallied with uh, the team. He, w- he would cut jokes. He would sing songs. He would do s- silly pranks. At the time, his crew was it was Brett Favre, Frank Winters, and Mark Chamur. Those three guys were inseparable, did everything together or whatever. Like that team was unique because even when you had Reggie White, who was ultimately the team leader, he had Reggie White and Eugene Robinson, Leroy Butler, a lot of guys. Brett Favre was the guy because he played at such a level. Think about this. He won three straight league MVPs. That's unheard of when you really think about it. Oh, like and, He was remarkable and, during that time. And, you know, there, there's no shortage of stars in 2015 or in the 21st century. But think about who was in the league and in their prime at that point. You know, you have Troy Aikman going there. You had Steve Young doing Steve his thing there, for yes. a long stretch of the 90s. Um, 
You had uh, the who's who. Every quarterback, every really, prominent I mean, quarterback, Marino still, still around, Elway still around, Jim Kelly was still playing. All yeah. those guys were still playing. And far three hated. in a row, right? Ninety five, ninety six, ninety seven. They were still playing, and the fact that he was playing at such a high level, young guy, still rebellious. I mean, look, he played with some guys like his running backs were Edgar Bennett. Dorsey Levins outside, it was Robert Brooks, Antonio Freeman, Andre Risen was in and out during that time. This guy was everything. He yeah. Was quarterback. And so when I look at the standard of play at the position, from Jim Kelly to Brett Favre to Rich Gannon to, to Mark Brunel and, and those other guys, like I expect a level of greatness from the quarterback, not only like in terms of how they play and perform, but like that it factor. And it's hard to quantify, but all of those quarterbacks that we talk about and most of those guys would be Hall of Fame guys. They have that. And so I expect a top-level quarterback to have that because it's essential to winning games consistently at a high level. Is there anybody – now Now, now you really got me thinking because Jameis Winston is sort of on that edge and is sort of crossed over onto the bad side of it, and yet it's clear now, as I said to everybody, this is how it would play out. I said six months ago, clearly he's going to be the first overall pick and everybody will – well, maybe not forgive, but they'll look past it as, you know, it's, he's a he's a kid and, you know, other other human beings get into some mixed up stuff uh, when they're kids and, and uh, hopefully uh, modify their behavior going forward. But you need to have a swagger so much so. Is there a quarterback you can think of who didn't? Who, uh, I'm trying to think of a guy who is more bookish and, you know, more reserved. No, they all I mean, to, Gannon, like you say, isn't a, a, they, they all have to have that edge to them. They all need to have that that I can do it, give me the ball, let's go get it done. Yeah, Peyton for every I mean, everybody the, has to have nerdy, it. but he's like, still like, people don't like to see it. we've seen the outburst from Tom Brady on the side. Right. Like ultimately like all of those guys are wired like that. You have to have kind of a take charge personality because that's what the position demands. And speaking about Jameis Winston, everything I know about Jameis Winston is he's a take charge guy. He is the pod piper. Let's go all the way back to his freshman year. In the locker room before that Clemson game, they always show the clip where everyone is looking at him. He's standing up, and he's talking about, if we're going to do it, let's do it big. All of that swagger, all of that charisma plays out. Watching him in the BCS National Championship game against Auburn when he played a bad game, but yet when it was the fourth quarter and they needed him to make plays, he made plays. It's the ability to overcome a level of adversity in game and still have the confidence that you can get it done. Mm -hmm. This year, as bad as his year played out, all the distractions off the field, everything going on around him, let's look at how he played in the biggest moments. He was the best player on the field. Interceptions, all that other stuff. But when it came time to rally his team, he was able to do it. I think the Notre Dame game was a perfect game. They were bringing blisses, bringing pressure all over. He couldn't figure it out the first half. Second half, he dealt. He, he cut them up. He sliced and diced mm-hmm. and went on. Louisville, three interceptions maybe in the first half. Bounces back. Continues to find a way to lead his guys. So when I'm looking at the position, it's beyond the physical things. It's the resiliency. The, 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 the popular catchphrase that everyone talks about now is grit. How tough are you when things are going bad? Are you mentally tough enough to persevere when it goes there? He has all of that. So that's why I don't worry about his ability to succeed in the league. If he can endure all the things that he did at Florida State, all the the, the, the negative uh, attention and groundswell of people trying to get him out and still perform at a high level, man, the league is going to be cupcake in terms of – I agree. And, and by the way, as a side note, I don't think – I mean, Tampa Bay – 
feels like a low pressure situation. It's not like that, you know, a mean spirited fan base that'll boo you at the drop of a hat kind I of. I mean, thing. he's gonna have some pressure to deliver. Sure, but it's home one. state is is a weird kind of. Pressure. Yeah, you're the number one overall pick. The thing that he has working in his his, his favor is obviously being a Florida State guy. The proximity to Tampa. There are people that are very familiar with him. Uh, the story is not a new story. All the other stuff that went on in the background, and I think ultimately before we get to that part of it. The fit is ideal. Mm-hmm. Dirt Cutter's system is tailor-made for Jameis Winston to play. Going all the way back to watching Dirt Cutter at Arizona State, always had a, a pure pocket passer and, and, I mean, as his quarterback, pushing the ball vertically down the field, doing some things created, creatively to allow his quarterback to have success. Watching Matt Ryan under Dirt Cutter in Atlanta. Like, look. Matt Ryan got it done, put up great numbers. I know he had a nice supporting cast, but Dirk Cutter entrusted a lot on Matt Ryan, and he delivered. I think you can do the same things with Jameis Winston. I like their receiver core, Vincent mm-hmm. Jackson, Mike Evans, uh, Austin Safarian Jenkins. I like the pieces in place, and I think you have Jameis Winston there who has the gravitas and the gumption and the charisma that you're looking for to take them to the next level. I'm all about him going. I to would, I, you know, the more I think about, it, they might win that division. That really, uh, well, listen, who's going to win it? The Saints? I don't think so. The but uh, the Panthers. Carolina is going to be good again. Defense, and I like the Atlanta defense. this year. I do. I do think Atlanta has why to bounce like, no, back. Well, why? Why? Why you like Atlanta? I have finally before. because I think they're finally going to have a little bit of edge with the uh, with the uh, okay. bringing over. I just uh, go ahead. Before we move on to ATL, I just want to say one quick thing. My number one goal was to uh, work on my body language. That's what you guys are talking about, talking about quarterback body language. And speaking yeah. of Jameis in, in particular, uh, Move the Sticks with Dan and Jeremiah a podcast dropped recently that was just focused on Jameis alone. And Bucky brought up Dirk Cutter in the Buck system. We actually had David Garrard in the show because he played for Dirk mm-hmm. Cutter with the Jags. And so if you want more Jameis Winston, definitely go. Uh, I don't think Bucky – Listen to uh, move the sticks. I or, or, I, you know, I don't think I deserve that. I don't think Bucky deserves that. All of a sudden, we're Ty came in with a shameless plug. I know we're, in ha- we're, having, a, we're having an insightful it just, conversation. It just plugged. I get it now because I thought it was a very creative uh, idea for that podcast to have a, a Jameis Winston centric yeah. podcast and bringing those outside elements. David Garrod is one of my boys. He is from right outside my hometown. He huh. had his best success under Dirt Cutter, so I'm sure he shed light on that offense and how you can get it done. I think when it comes down to Jameis Winston, I met Jameis Winston in high school. He was on the Elite 11 circuit. Trent Dilfer will go on record and tell you, of all the quarterbacks that came through, this guy learned a playbook in two days. This is a pro playbook, a high-level playbook that has a lot of advanced concepts. Jameis Winston got it right away Hmm. and was able to deal as a high school senior understanding how to deal with concepts. So when the conversation came out about him at the combine killing meetings, that didn't surprise me. That's who he is. You're talking about a guy that from a, a football IQ standpoint, he is up there. Like, he is up there. And I know people don't want to say, like, the Andrew Lux or whatever. But when you talk to people that have touched both players, they say they're more like cousins than anything when it comes mm. to their aptitude. So you may not like Jameis Winston, the person, but the player is everything that people look for at the position, which is why he's going to have success. Wow. I listen. I'm. I might go out there and really make that my one of my bold predictions. Is uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers NFC South champions 2015? I like it because I just think that what they what they've always lacked. You the saw Panthers it in the defense, it, though. The Panthers' defense is, is yeah, it's markedly be. better. They play 
they play a physical style. I think Tampa can get like that under Lovey Smith. And also, like I, I know uh, Cam Newton doesn't necessarily get the national love in terms of his game and how he's progressed. But I think he's another guy who has that it factor. Mm-hmm. He had it at Auburn. I think when surrounded by talented playmakers on the outside, he has the ability to lead them to a higher level. It will be interesting to see how Carolina builds that roster offensively. I agree. They, they give him another him, weapon there. Another right? playmaker. He needs another playmaker on the outside. I like Olsen. Kelvin Benjamin came on like a, mm-hmm. a, like game busters as a rookie. But another playmaker on the opposite side, so he has the full complement of weapons to make throws to every area every area of the field, he could be a player that we talk about. Real quick, I just wanted to say something about uh, since uh, Atlanta reminds me of Brett Favre's early days. You know, I was looking back at, uh, we're we're back at uh, looking at the NFL's infinite DVR, great games, and we're now focusing on Super Bowls because Super Bowl 50 is what will punctuate the 2015 season. And so I've been looking at the 97, the Super Bowl, the Broncos and the Packers and how the two teams got there. And man, Brett Favre in that game is 28 years of age. Like you say, he's in the midst of this MVP run. He is on the heels of winning his first Super Bowl. They were supposed to beat the Broncos in that one. If you would have said in the week before that Super Bowl, Brett Favre, this is the last Super Bowl that you're going to play in. You're going to lose this one. You're never going to get back. The pregame interview that he does with Greg Gumbel, he talks all about, I'd like to be the greatest player of all time. I mean, I'm on track to be that. I mean, I'm not going to put myself ahead of certain guys right now, but I'm on track to do that. It's amazing that, listen, if you're young within my voice, if you're under, like, if you're 30 or younger, I would say, I really think, you know, we can debate the write your legacy. Brett Favre, don't go to the Jets. Don't go to the Vikings. You're going to ruin your legacy. And I understand. Yeah, you're in charge of that. It's your life. Do what you want with it. But for better or worse, I'd be willing to bet that Black Tie and guys his age really don't remember Brett Favre being what Brett... Because he, like we just talked about, was the MVP three straight years in the midst of some all-time great QBs. And now it feels kind of like, yeah, Brett Favre was good, right? Wasn't he? Or, and but he also threw a lot of bad interceptions at the end of big games. And then he did all that dumb stuff with the Jets and with the Vikings. And Yeah, but you know, um, you know, I think one of the more remarkable things is not only what he did at Green Bay. I think you have to go back and look at not his final season in Minnesota, but the season where he had them on the cusp yeah. of going to the Super Bowl, the overtime loss. To deal like he deal, he was he was he was he was playing at that at that age, playing at that level. That's remarkable. Uh, you're right. Young people don't have an appreciation for how good Brett Favre was. Uh, I can only equate it to walking on the field behind a gunslinger that you knew had all the bullets and would make all the shots. Uh, if you saw American Sniper, it's kind of like playing with a guy like that. You know he's going to get mm-hmm. it done. And so because you know that Brett Favre is going to get it done, you always felt like, hey, look, man, we're going to win. It doesn't matter who's playing. And at the time, uh, our kryptonite was the Dallas Cowboys. The Dallas Cowboys were in the middle of that run under Jimmy Johnson. That was the one team that we couldn't get over the hump uh, against in, in Green Bay. Not bad. Not but, a bad uh, kryptonite to but, have one of the all-time greats. You know, but having that guy, having Brett Favre, uh, in the huddle, having him on the team, even with Reggie White and those other guys, we always felt like we had a puncher's chance because Brett would find a way to make it happen. Well, and you mentioned the weapons he had, you know, pretty good ones, but probably even better than what Elway and Marino had. You know, that's another thing people sort of have forgotten. It is an arms race, it feels like, 
in the 21st century. It's really difficult. Tom Brady accepted. If there aren't weapons out there, it's really hard to get it done. Think about this. Marino, think about the two great, maybe you could make a case. I can make a case, and we'll do it with just this, that maybe those are the two best quarterbacks of all time. Mm -hmm. Marino and Elway, based on this fact. Who did they play with? The best receiver that Dan, that, that Dan Marino ever had was Mark Clayton and, and Mark Duper. The, the, the Marx brothers. They were great, but they're not in the Hall of Fame. Those guys were good, though. Like, they were good. They, <laughs> like they were Mark Clayton, Mark Clayton like, was very good. good. Mark Clayton was very good. But he was, he but played he, with Irving Fryer, too. Now. Irving Fryer was a nice player. Irving Fryer, yeah, had a run. Miami, yes, he, yes. Um, all right, that's that's fair. Yeah. Now, now Elway, you absolutely can make that case. Elway's running back for the bulk of his career. You always hear his wide receivers. He didn't he didn't really have any guys at wide receiver. Ed McCaffrey and Rod Smith. That's in the twilight of his career, though. Good, Elway. But even those other guys, like Mark Jackson. Mark Jackson and Vance Johnson and I mean, Steve I, Watson, those yeah. were his pass catchers in the playoffs in the Super Bowl. That Sammy Winder started in the Super Bowl. So 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 Sammy Winder, if you don't know who that is, look him up. He was their starting running back for the majority of John Elway's career and he was not a sufficient uh, And so in saying all of that, when we look at quarterbacks and we're quick to anoint those as elite quarterbacks or whatever, that's the standard. Like Elway, Marino, being able to make those around you better. Those guys that if you put them in other places, would they have the same production? Would they be able to do the same thing? That's what the standard is. And so I understand the fascination with Andrew Luck because you look at Andrew Luck and what they've been able to do in Indianapolis, you can see that he has all the makers of being Mm -hmm. one of those guys we can put in that conversation. Peyton Manning has done it for years and years on end. Give him anybody on the outside, he's had success. Tom Brady in New England, same thing. He won Super Bowls with David Patton and David Givens. And I have to interrupt guys. you. Peyton has played with Hall of Famers his whole career. Uh, That's the this thing that Peyton makes everybody great. Yeah, well, I guess he did make Marvin Harrison and Reggie Wayne and Demarius Thomas and Wes Welker. I'm getting pretty there. close I mean, to Peyton oh, Manning bashing. Oh, all right, I'm just letting you know. I'm just oh, letting you know. He's, he's oh, Edge James and Marshall Falk, and I mean, he's played with a lot Sheck, of great players. That goes wild, guys. But every but everything everybody has to play with great players. It's only a handful of guys that we can talk about that have had success, Super Bowl success, without great players, and so. I believe sometimes on our side, on the media, we make it all about the quarterback. And it's not necessarily about the quarterback. It's the best quarterback with a supporting cast that allows him to do what he does that wins the Super Bowl, meaning the defense, the receivers. I get it. I get it. Speaking of Peyton Manning, though, and we're talking quarterbacks here, Gary Kubiak came out and said that he would pick Peyton Manning for any offense, which is just not true. Well, he's his head coach. I know, but my question to Bucky based off that is, who is the the top three most versatile quarterbacks? Ah, now that's a good question, Black Tie. The most versatile quarterback. Could drop him in any system. Well, actually, if you're a good coach, you don't drop a quarterback in. Yeah, you, you, you tailor, tailor it. Yeah. You tailor it. I think, for conversation. I think a guy that could do anything, Aaron Rodgers. I think Aaron Rodgers could play in any system. I think if you wanted Aaron Rodgers to execute zone read concepts, he could do that. You want to play in a conventional, traditional vertical passing game, he can do it. West Coast system going horizontally with quick rhythm throws. He can do everything. He's a rare 
quarterback that has the ability to do all of the things from the pocket, outside the pocket, give you the mobility, and still have the clutch factor. Aaron Rodgers is the guy. But in terms of who I would play with, I think if I have any of those quarterbacks that are at the top, the Bradys, the Mannings, I'm going to build around what they can do because I want them to ultimately be comfortable because I've seen them have a lot of success within those given Bug, Bug I got you, but let's say it's just hypothetical game. you got to pick one quarterback. You don't know what he the coach is. He just told you, 12, Aaron Rodgers. Well, I need more names. So if I'm saying top three, Aaron Rodgers, I agree with you there for sure. Andrew Luck is my number two guy. Andrew Luck is your number two guy? Yeah, in terms of the most versatile. Number three is a little bit tricky. I'm going to go, I'm going to go Russell, though. Well, I, it's an interesting time, as we've talked about. Peyton is on his way out. Drew Brees is probably on the fade and has a couple of years left. Tom Brady, same thing. I mean, you know, there's a changing of the guard. Roethlisberger, Eli, and Phil Rivers ain't, uh, ain't uh, you know, just out of school themselves. So, 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 so most, most versatile in terms of being able to do a variety of things, yeah. I would say, yeah, I would say the, the first two, Aaron Rodgers and then Andrew Luck because we're talking about new school guys. How about Phil um, Rivers? It seems like he could uh, West Coast old, it. Uh, he could, but he's more of an old school guy. Like we're talking about, like I want someone I can hang my hat on for the next five years, right? Talk yeah. someone yeah. young or whatever. I think that third spot is interesting because it's easy to talk about Russell Wilson now, but ideally when you're looking at the position, you would like to have someone that's a little bigger, that has a little more of your prototypical things. This is going to be unpopular when I say it. Cam. But when you look at Cam Newton, Cam I Newton, like Cam just Cam fine. Has Buck. A, Cam has those traits, and I think it's unfortunate that he hasn't been allowed to do those things. Maybe some of it is his own doing, some of it is scheme or whatever. I would love to see Cam playing a system behind an offensive coordinator that was creative enough to really push him and maximize all that he brings to the table. He can run on the outside. I'm, I'm, I firmly believe that when Cam was entering the league, he could play the game much like Ben Roethlisberger. Mm-hmm. And we've seen Ben Roethlisberger grow from being a guy that was kind of the game manager, the complimentary player, to being the guy that is the driving force of the offense. I would like to see Cam have a similar career plight where he's able to do those same things. I believe their skill sets are similar. Uh, if you've been on the field and, and just felt the sensation of Cam's ball as it comes off and mm-hmm. the velocity yep. and how big and how strong he is, He's not your ordinary quarterback. He is. Andrew Luck. Those guys are thoroughbreds. They are big, physical dudes. And so because of that, they can do a lot of things. They bring a lot yep. to the table. Winston, Roethlisberger, you're exactly right. E.J. Manuel is the is the. E.J. is different. Here. I feel like I feel like E.J. Um, could be a very good player. And I, I don't want to throw this name out because he had – problems and didn't live up to all the potential when you look at EJ EJ's game was more like Josh Freeman and I want you to think about Josh Freeman at the peak when yeah, he had gotcha. a year when they were 10 and 6 in Tampa I want to say maybe he had like 25 touchdowns and six interceptions played really well but EJ is built more like that EJ's not the athletic guy that's going to make plays outside of the pocket EJ plays in the pocket EJ's smart enough to deliver the ball I don't believe he's had enough opportunities to truly evaluate what he can be in Buffalo. So I'm curious to see what he does under Greg Roman's system because if you think about what Greg Roman and Jim Harbaugh were able to do in San Francisco, remember when they took over San Francisco, no one thought that Alex Smith could lead a team to the playoffs. They found a way 
to fix him, to get him right, to have success. When I saw Colin Kaepernick come out of Nevada, I watched him in practice in San Francisco, and I was like, man, I don't know if this guy's ever going to play. He finally gets his opportunity on a Monday night against Chicago, lights it up, goes on to have tremendous success for the next year and a half. Greg Roman found a way to cater the system to fit both of those guys so they could have success. Maybe he has the same kind of plan for E.J. Manuel, or maybe it's Matt Castle. So, you know, I want to get to so many different things. I want to ask you about Bryce Petty, why that, why people are sleeping on him. It seems like, you know, a year in the league, and he should be ready to go. You want to get but, to it now? Because we do have Michael Robinson coming up in about two minutes here. Oh, man. And Buck has got to leave because he's got TV stuff to do. Man. Oh, all right. Well, listen, let's talk about E.J. Manuel then. I feel like, and what I was going to just uh, punctuate your point on Cam Newton with is, is saying this. I feel like Cam might be the most underrated player in the NFL. I feel like people people dismiss, oh, yeah, he's fine. He's fine. Cam Newton is, you know, has a chance to be one of the best of the generation and already has uh, performed at a pretty high level. People, it's weird. I don't get the like, ongoing sort of, I don't even mean negativity at this point, just apathy about him. People are not uh, appropriately impressed by what he is. Uh, He came in the the league. People have a tough time sometimes when a guy can carry too much swag, uh, too much charisma, too much confidence, borderline cocky. They didn't like the body language that he gave off his first couple years when he didn't have success, which is tough for a guy that's won at a high level. It's tough to come in the league and struggle a little bit. I think the one thing that we need to see from Cam Newton is – when surrounded by weapons, does he go from good to great, mm-hmm. or can he only get you to a certain point? When I watched him at Auburn, there is no doubt he was the pie piper. He carried that team on his back to the national title. Uh, he's continued to do so in Carolina because I don't think he's been surrounded by a talented offensive line nor consistent weapons on the outside. When they get him that, then we can say it's on you to make sure that it happens. But I don't think it's fair to evaluate him based on what has gone on. Well, uh, yeah, and, you know, I don't think it's fair to throw EJ Manuel out the window because he hasn't come, you know, hasn't hit the ground running the way Cam Newton did. Um, I think that, but really, that Bills team, how can it not succeed unless EJ Manuel or Matt Castle or Tyrod Taylor, like right, right, open up? Here, here's what I just wrote about the Buffalo. Think about Bills. that. Think about that defense. It's got to be good. Rex Ryan's got to be worth a win or two. He's one of those guys to me. I keep saying it. You drop him in there in year one. I, you know, long term is he a guy who can motivate the same group of guys? Ten years in, I don't know, but I think in the first year or two, you'll get a boost from the Rex Ryan factor. And then you're the Shady McCoy, and you're talking Sammy Watkins, and I mean all the weapons they have now. How can he fail? Everything is lined up for the Buffalo Bills to be very, very good in 2015. Defense is outstanding. Defense mm-hmm. was outstanding a year ago. Rex, when given a full complement of defensive players, you know they're going to be a top-five defense. They're going to create havoc uh, on defense. They have all those things in place. He has defensive backs. He has people up front that can rush the passer. They will be fine on defense. Offensively, the supporting cast is outstanding. Uh, running back, Shady McCoy. They go and get Shady McCoy, fullback, and Jerome Felton. That's a Pro Bowl player, a guy that understands how to uproot people out of the hole. Outside, Sammy Watkins, Robert Woods, I think are probably one of the best two one-two dynamic combinations that you can find in the league. You go and get a tight end in Charles Clay that is very impressive, does a great job of stretching the field, making plays down the field. And then the X factor 
on that receiving core is Percy Harvin. So from a defensive standpoint, you're looking at all the weapons. Think about that on the field at one time. You have to account for Shady in the run game. You got Sammy Watkins and Robert Woods on the outside. You got a guy that can stretch the field down the middle and Charles Clay. You have Percy Harvin who can take screens, reverses, option routes, the distance. You don't know who to double team. You have the ability to run a power running offense with Greg Roman. The quarterback is the big question mark. But really – the quarterback. How bad would you have to be to not be semi-successful? So this is why I say that they only need the quarterback to play like Alex Smith. Mm-hmm. Don't turn it over. Give the ball to the playmakers and allow them to do their thing. Greg Roman's experience in San Francisco with Colin Kaepernick and Alex Smith will allow E.J. Manuel or Matt Castle to have success because he's already proven that he can tailor his offense to allow those passers to function. And when I mean function, you may not see them throw for over – 250 mm-hmm. yards. It may be 200 yards, but it's running the football, being creative with unbalanced lines, heavy personnel sets to take selected shots down the field to complement what should be a dominant defense. And Buffalo, Buffalo is the biggest threat to the New England Patriots in the AFC East, and I, fir- I firmly expect them to be in the dance mm-hmm. when we talk about the playoff team. Yeah, I agree with you, man. Uh, all right, excellent stuff, Bucky. Real quick, muzzle tub on your UNC heels I want you're not but you say you have to go to LSU for a pro day so you're gonna miss they're playing in Los Angeles your beloved Tar Heels it's tough and you're not gonna get to go what a pro you are though that you're willing to it's tough now it's it's tough for me to leave Tar Heels but I am going to see Jalen Collins and Leo Collins and some of those other guys at LSU run around on Friday I will be unable to see my Tar Heels but I firmly expect they'll be there on Saturday and I'm hoping we cut down the nets on Saturday to go to the Final Four. Where's your dignity, Bucky? You're, the, the Tar, Tar Heels. Heels are one of the most storied programs. You're happy as a f- – well, they're not young. Oh, you, you UNC's are. You have to be in the Final Four to play for the championship. I understand. So but I feel like this tournament – I just want to win the weekend. But this tournament is such jive now. With, what are you talking about? Because it's all coin flips. The difference between – I mean, what? who are these teams in there? UCLA? What's UCLA doing among the final 16 teams in college basketball? Right. They don't deserve it. That's ridiculous. I mean, they're you, not a, they're, come on. They won. They won the games. All you can do is win the games. Look, I can't. I can't that's what I'm saying. Games. The tournament is now flawed. That's There's too much tournament. parody in it. That's why it's one of the greatest things ever because one No, not when every game is a coin. No, when every game's days. a coin flip, it's not It's not satisfying. Upsets, because it's, it renders the word upset meaningless. There's no such thing as an upset when every game is a coin flip game. You understand what I'm saying, do you? Tell me this. How did you enjoy my beloved hometown of Pittsburgh, PA? I liked it. Yeah. I liked it a lot. Unfortunately, I didn't get there in time to go to the hockey game that I wanted to. Ah, uh, I was I thinking, are you watching it? I stayed at the Marriott right across from the thing, but I got there too late. It was coming out. But I will say this about Pittsburgh. Man, their fans are passionate. They are really about They're really about their, their teams and everything. And also, I had an opportunity to spend some time with the Steelers uh, contingent, Mike Tomlin included. It's funny, like, I firmly believe that your team – needs to represent your city, style of play, grit, determination, toughness. And talking to their scouts, they talk about making sure they bring in those kind of guys. And so you obviously being a Pittsburgh guy, the grit, the toughness. That's what I'm all about, Bucky. They are about building a team that has those guys. And so I remember as a player when Pittsburgh came to town, you kind of strapped it up because you knew what to expect. They are firmly about 
bringing those kind of guys in and building the team that way. I agree with that philosophy, you know, in broad strokes. It's interesting. You will look at the Bus family and what they're trying to do with the Lakers. Now, hey, we want to be Showtime Lakers. Well, I don't know. Maybe that's you should city, just accept though. what you got, though. It's but, yeah, LA. that's exactly right, though. I agree with you about that. Last thing, Bucky. Well, two more things real fast. One, if I were the quarterback of the Buffalo Bills as constituted for 60 minutes, could I lead one scoring drive? If you're the quarterback? Yeah. If if you've quickly understood who you Who's the worst defense in the NFL? Put me against them with the Buffalo Bills. I can lead one drive for a touchdown, right? A drive. A drive. If that drive consists of you throwing a quick pass out to Sammy White. I don't know what it, it consists of. That's not your Shady business. Shady McCoy does that. You know – Maybe. Check. Maybe we mix to, in some run. What I, I don't know. Do, I you know what we field. might do? A little option. Me and Shady out of the backfield. Keystone I, State I need option feel. coming at you. I need to be able to look at your eyes in the helmet. You see. Kind of see if you have. You know I've that, got the moxie. That, 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 that sparkle in your eye. Like, I'm, I'm good. Because I don't want the game to be too big for you. No. Come on, Buck. You know that's Let's not going to be the Let's just say this. Situation. Dan is not in his own top five of people. So there's no way he's going to be ready for that moment. That's just a human being. I'm yeah. not talking. I'm talking. We're, we're leaving that. Yourself, I leave all that outside the lines. When I step in there, I am the general. It's my way or shame the devil. And Plus, you're left-handed, I, so handing so off what? to Shady that might be tricky. No, I'll here. be able to make it. I'll, I'll, I'll me, Shady, Sammy, Clay, Percy. Oh, what it's gonna try and stop us, Jacksonville Jaguars. <laughs> Look, last thing. We're talking about embarrassing Bucky's. I mean, uh, Black Tie's trying to divert uh, his shame onto me. I don't know if you're aware. We're going right now. Everybody has their brackets going. And uh, our bracket is the greatest movies of all time that Black Tie has never seen. I don't know if we've done this with you, Bucky. Black Tie has seen almost no movies. Um, Pre-93. No, no, no. What sports movies? No. Or Tom Cruise There movies. are many, many different things that he hasn't seen. What do you think, Bucky? What's the... Worst. What's what's the worst omission from Black Tie's list of movies he's never seen? He's never seen Shawshank Redemption. He's what? never seen Pulp Fiction. Oh my God! Never saw Star Wars, Reservoir Dogs, Braveheart, Saving Private Ryan, The Godfather, Top Gun, Fight Club. If you haven't seen any of these, <laughs> tell me. Have you seen all these movies so far that I've named? I have seen them all. Yes, of course you have. Godfather. Like for one. Man, my, 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 Forrest my, Gump. My. He's never seen Gump. Who doesn't Black even stop? Have you ever seen Godfather? Well, I've listened to enough hip-hop albums where I don't have to see I mean, Godfather. that's not, that's like not an acceptable. It is. I know it that is. that's an attempt at a joke, and it's not good enough to overcome <laughs> the shame of not. I gave him for Christmas, I gave him The Godfather and Godfather Part 2. Oh. He's so busy, he hasn't found time to see it. Top Gun? Not a Tom Cruise guy, I'm sorry. P- Pulp Fiction? That I do want to see. Yeah. I mean, Pulp Fiction is... There's like four movies on here that I legitimately... No Gump. He hasn't seen Raiders of the Lost Ark. No, I have no interest in And he that. hasn't seen Goodfellas. I'm pretty sure Bucky hasn't seen... Oh, Raiders. I've seen Raiders of the Lost Ark. Come on. You're pretty sure Bucky Brooks hasn't seen Raiders oh of the Lost well, Ark? Of Bucky's a little has. bit older than I am, Come so on. I guess so. You have to see all that stuff. I don't want to see Raiders. That's, That's right. what you should do. Goodfellas. Before hey, I Gump can even get you... You have to see the mob movies so you can understand what's going on sometimes in hip hop. Like, <laughs> well, you have to understand. But I've listened to enough albums where Godfather, it's like I get the full Scarface, picture. Scarface, Goodfellas, Carlito's Way. Like you have to run it. You have to run it down. I did see American Gangster. So is that? I mean, yeah, but like, don't, don't, that pales <laughs> in comparison to those are the classics. 
Well, right now we're in the Elite Eight, so you can go to Damashek's blog page and uh, <laughs> vote for the what Final the, Four. Because I did vow to watch the Final Four movies. Bucky, so. yeah, so Black Tie is going to watch the Final Four. What is the most egregious omission here? The Godfather to me, like yeah. the fact that he hasn't seen God. I do feel bad. I, feel I think like it's. I think Star Wars Star is Star weird. Godfather, Heat, Casino. Like th- there's so many that you're behind. Heat's on. another good one. Have you seen that? Uh, I'm not a big fan of Michael Mann's work. <laughs> I watched. Uh, I made the mistake of watching the Collateral, and I did not like that. Was it Donnie like, Brasco? Ridiculous. Like, What's that, what? Donnie Brasco? He has to see. I don't know if that's Michael Mann. Yeah, but that's another gangster picture, and also Bronx Tale. Now oh, you, now you, you don't even know the leave. rules. Yeah. You don't even know the rules when you go on a date, how to tell if your lady's a good one or not. Oh, I, I, you got to look at the Bronx Tale right. just to figure that part That's out. That's right. See? Listen to what Bucky tells you. I know you tuned out. You were, you were looking at Premier League stats while <laughs> Bucky and I were talking about pro football. But, you know, listen to him on, on movies at least. Would you please, so. Black Tie? All right, that's it for the great Bucky Brooks. What a champion he has been. To, what We almost went an hour here. Almost did. So, but are we, we're still going to welcome in Michael Robinson. Yeah, Michael Robinson is working. Well, he's right now busy in the makeup room. A lot of busy stuff going on. You guys that wear makeup, um, so he'll be coming up right after. All right, so be it. Bucky Brooks, uh, your mock draft. We barely even dipped into it. Oh, I, you didn't finish. I said, what about Bryce Petty? What is the story? Why? Why are people not uh, more excited about him? Bryce Petty. Yeah, he's got a big arm. Big uh, yeah. kid. Uh, big kid. Uh, arm is. Arm is a little above average. I think the big thing for Bryce Petty is that system is completely counter to what you do in the National Football League. That system is a system that Art Browse continued to take with them from high school, had a lot of success. Every quarterback in that system has put up big numbers, but it doesn't translate well to the National Football League. And the reason why is because the concepts are different. You're not really asked to read a lot of defenses. You're not asked to do a lot of things that the quarterbacks are asked to do in the NFL. And so because of that, those guys can struggle. We've seen RG3 when he's been forced out of his comfort zone in Washington. And so because of that, there's still kind of that hesitancy to jump on Bryce Petty. You Interesting. How long will it take him to be comfortable doing some of the things? It's sort of retro, which is what the way QBs used to be handled in the NFL. It wasn't as though we drafted you, ergo, you're our starter from day one. Hey, watch from watch for three or four years from the bench. That's Worked out for Aaron Rodgers. That, Best that, example. That's a subject for another time, I guess, because Black Tie wants us to wrap it up here. But I do want to get your thoughts on this as a scout. What ha- Aaron Rodgers was supposed to be good coming out of school, but Jeff Tedford, you know, was produced a lot of good college quarterbacks, and then most of them flamed out, with the exception of Aaron Rodgers once he got to the NFL. In fact, Jeff Tedford has that reputation of a guy who grooms QBs for the NFL, but very few have had success. Like I say, Aaron Rodgers is Trent, built, Trent is, Dilfer has some success. All right, that's, I'm, I'm not knocking Jeff Tedford. Point is that once he got to the NFL, or at what point in that summer in between Cal and his arrival in Green Bay, or was it sitting on the bench behind Brett Favre, that sitting someone modified his throwing motion and made him a completely different guy. And why doesn't that ha- – do people attempt to do that more and it doesn't work out? Why is Aaron Rodgers this weird story of, like, a good college quarterback, but then someone told him to do something, hold this ball, hold the ball up, uh, don't hold it up as high as he was holding it, well, and that has transformed him into the greatest of all time. Quickly, the Aaron Rodgers story goes like this. Uh, I was scouting on the West Coast for the Carolina Panthers. That same year was Alex Smith and Aaron Rodgers. I gave them the exact same grade. I gave both 
Alex Smith and Aaron Rodgers a bottom of the first round grade, meaning that they would be good starters in the league. We need a little time to develop. The difference was Alex Smith was drafted number one overall. The team that holds the number one overall pick is normally a bad team that doesn't have all the things for a young quarterback to succeed. He goes through four, five, six offensive coordinators, never develops the consistency in terms of learning an offense and growing within that offense. Aaron Rodgers goes to a team that's a playoff team, has a quarterback already established in Brett Favre. He gets an opportunity to learn the game away from the limelight and the pressure of being the starter. His first preseason was not great. His second preseason in Green Bay, there were still questions about whether he could ever be a guy. Hmm. Took him a while to kind of find his way. They modified and tweaked some of the things that he did. To his credit, he also worked on refining his mechanics. When given the opportunity, your three, he was more ready to play. Had some success. I think they went six and ten. But after that, he's been like a rocket. Well, and that's it takes I, time to learn that position for some know? guys, right? Alex Smith, like you say, for whatever reason, he didn't flourish immediately. Say, uh, I feel like, yeah, that is if you're a glass half full person up in Buffalo and you're excited but worried about, well, what's going to happen uh, under center there, there's a chance E.J. Manuel can turn the corner. He's a gifted guy. You can't really evaluate a quarterback in the league until they have 30 to 35 starts. Um, that's about two, two and a quarter years of experience. You need to see them play the game. For E.J., I think E.J. may have 12 games of experience. We live in a time now with Twitter and social media and the constant 24-7 news cycle of analysis. We want quarterbacks to come right from college and be stars right away. It doesn't work like that. It takes them a while. Or some. but I mean, yeah, right, not for everybody. Some guys do hit the ground Who? running. Who? RG3, Cam Newton. A, a flash, but have they had a Oh, an enduring level? success. Like, yeah, so like most quarterbacks don't do it. Even Drew Brees, let's look at his career early. He, there were questions about whether he would be a guy. Obviously, they drafted Phillip Rivers to get rid of Drew Brees. He goes to New Orleans and have success. It takes a while. That position is tasked with a lot of responsibilities, mm-hmm. and so you just can't take a guy from college and pluck him into a pro system and have success unless you're able to take what he did in college Put it as the basis of your offense and allow him to grow into what you eventually want him to do. Wow. You say 30 or 35 games to evaluate. Jacksonville Jaguars are going to be evaluating my butt as it runs away from them into the end zone with the Bills <laughs> offense. That's right. That's what I'm going to do, Bucky. I, I, I just need a chance. All right. The great Wait, Bucky. Before Brooks. he let leaves. Me, let me review his – Let me. I want to I promote his question. stuff. All right. Let me just promote his stuff right. before I forget. At Bucky Brooks is how you track him down on Twitter. Of course, a must-follow leading up to the draft. NFL Mock Draft Live with Matt Money-Smith and Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky. 5.30 Eastern online and then on the network at 9 p.m. every Wednesday up until the draft. Right, Buck? Every Wednesday. All right. Knock it Tremendous. out. And, and, of course, NFL.com, his latest mock draft. There. I right. got through it all, Buck. Yeah. Uh, Black tie. Go ahead. All right. Last now. question. It's tough for fans sometimes to gauge like a quarterback compared to like previous years' quarterbacks. So here's my question, though. Oh, it's an elimination chamber. elimination chamber. So based on their draft grades coming coming into the draft, eliminate one of these guys: RG three, Sam Bradford, Jameis Winston, Johnny Manziel, all Heisman Trophy winners. Based based on their draft grade coming into the league. Wait, who has, so you're asking Bucky who had the lowest draft grade? Exactly, essentially. Okay. So this isn't subjective. This is just Give me those four names again. Lowest draft grade. RG3, Sam Bradford, Jameis Winston, Johnny Manziel. 
of those guys, I would say Johnny probably had the lowest grade because there were serious concerns about his height mm-hmm. and the character thing. Uh, I would say in order, Heisman Trophy winners. Man. Does he have a big Same league way. arm ultimately? Who? Manziel. Let, let him rank him out. All right, I'm just asking him a question. In order. I Didn't w- mean to interrupt your show, Black Tie. In order, I would rank them Jameis. You go with Jameis ahead of RG3? Of course. RG3. You don't remember them when they were coming out. Sam, I mean, RG3, Sam there were a Bradford. lot of people that doubted him. And then Johnny Menzel. The reason uh, Jameis is first, Jameis is probably the cleanest of the guys on the field. RG3, they were still a little concerned about his ability to transition into a pro-style offense. Uh, to Washington's credit, they built it around what he did at Baylor. He had success immediately. Uh, with Sam Bradford, Sam Bradford was hurt coming out of Oklahoma. Uh, you like the talent, you like the accuracy and precision, but you worried about durability. And then with Johnny Menzel, um, there were a litany of concerns about character and then eventually durability because of his size, but you're smitten by the magic factor. And so that, that changed the groundswell of attention about him. All right, there it is. Is that does that satisfy you, Black Tie? Sure does. Mike Robb's walking in right now. All right, that's it. That uh, Bucky Brooks, the great one, walks out. Our quarter mark of the 2015, you get a quarter of a Shecky Award, Bucky. That's what you get for your efforts here. And out he goes to get ready for his TV stuff, and in walks another pro football player, the great Michael Robinson. He's bedazzled with jewels. Look at that. No, don't do me like that, Dave. What is that wrist? Don't do me like that. I have rich friends, okay? I have rich friends. <laughs> I don't buy anything. Man, you got a new set, man. You're doing big things, You haven't bro. been up in here since No, then? I haven't. Last time we were just, we had like a trunk just between the two of us. It was like we a closet, basically. Yeah. yeah. This is pretty cool, man. This this looks like the uh, Mike, Rob, and Dave show. Man. Well, this I is mean, what we do. This is the, uh, you know, this is Studio 66. Maximum strength. <laughs> I say I'll say it again. It's a Studio 66 maximum strength. See? Oh. We're up and running now. And I don't I'm not saying this to curry favor with you. I'd like to think that you had a a part in this studio happening, you know. Really? For our engaging conversations yeah. gone yeah, by. The only thing we got to tweak we have to tweak the logo. It has Why? to say Mike Rob and Dave. Damn. Your name goes over mine? Well, I'm not, I actually played, you know. I know you played. But you're the guy. You're the, your name's right. bigger. Mine's just small and cursive up top. Well, listen, the dream show, and I've said it before and I'll say it again now, is what we do is we get Ike Taylor. Oh, Ike Taylor, here's some good news. Marcus Smith, <laughs> uh, talent Turk Supreme, informed me that Ike Taylor is headed to these parts in a week or two. Oh, Ike. I think we're going to do three full-on shows with Ike. I think we're going to do three full-on shows. Yeah, do you know big. Ike at all? Yeah, I know Ike. We had we, we share the same publicist, publicist group and uh, great dude. Man, I see him at a lot of parties. So, Boy, he is he's yeah. the genuine article, you know? Yeah. That's what I say to him all the time. Don't ever, don't listen to anybody get in your ear about, like, if you want to be in TV and radio, don't let people tell you. You have to talk in a different no. way. No, no, talk exactly, exactly the way you exactly. are because that is uh, He's very unique. It's something special. So how are you, Michael Robinson? Good I'm to awesome, see you out man. here. Yeah, what's I'm awesome, man. I'm, I'm staying busy. You yeah. know, I went to the Unstoppable Gala on Saturday night. Uh, they try to educate everybody around the world, which is awesome. Met uh, Theo Huxtable, 
which was awesome. You know, got a chance to meet him. Yeah, that's Uh, a feather in your cap. Yeah, Warren Moon got honored, so got a chance to meet some of the, you know, older players that he's played with and, um, you know, dealing with my foundation. I have a foundation, Excel to Excellence. We're starting a fantasy, kind of a fantasy football league, but it's for education across the country. Marshawn's going to join in. Richard Sherman's talking about joining in. And uh, we have a basketball player in Philly. And I have a spring football league. We're going to come out here and try to battle Snoop and Willie. Snoop and Willie, I hope you're seeing this. We're ready, man. East Coast. Let's do it. Wow. A busy man indeed, Michael Robinson. And then, of course, we watched you. Um, last fall, of course. Uh, what I, I I can't think of it. What is it called? Game day first. Hey, look, get it right. Game I get day morning first. Game day morning first. Look, Sorry. we're the first live show on. Okay, yes. all everybody watches our show to get their storylines. I've heard other analysts from other networks, other four-letter <laughs> right. networks, repeat what I've said. You know, coughed when I coughed in the same everything. So. I love that. I love well, that. you are, you know, you've, uh, you're a delightful fella, but a lot of people, it seems like you've gotten a lot of national attention over the last six months, or has it really even been more, more than like a year because of your fr- uh, friendship with Marshawn Lynch? Yes. You, you so- seem to get the truth from him, and he's dodgy with everybody else. So how's he doing right now? Is he excited about getting back, and is the expectation this is the last year for him? Uh, I don't know about all of that. I hung out with him last night, though. We had oh. a great time. We went to go see Ludacris and lo- had a lo- Ludacris listening party, and uh, what is it, Luda forget the name of it. Luda something is the name of his new album, but it's pretty cool. Has some great beats. Hmm. David Banner's producing. He has a song named Beast Mode. And he really? goes wow. Beast Mode on the song. When I'm listening to the song, <laughs> I think of the New Orleans Saints run. Literally. I mean, he has no hook. It was awesome. So Beast is um, enjoying being Beast. You know, uh, I think it's I think it, it's mind-boggling to him the the stature he's arisen to. You know, he just, he's like, my guy, you know, I, I brush my teeth, I take a shower, I use my bathroom. I eat just like everybody else. And he's starting to realize he can't walk anywhere. He can't just go to the to, to the supermarket or anything. Do you think everybody that, ironically, that because he handled the media the way he's handled the media, that he got so much attention for that that it basically brought a, a hotter spotlight on him than what he wanted? He In his effort to avoid the spotlight, he put the spotlight on himself. Well... He didn't want to talk, and the NFL made him sit in front of all the cameras. So it's like, I can't put that on him. Yeah. He didn't want to even like. Trust me, the week leading up to the Super Bowl, uh, the lead, the week leading up to the Super Bowl, when leading up to the week before the Super Bowl. Okay, uh, him and I talked almost every day, man. Uh, I'm like, money. Yeah. You got to say something like you got to go out there and, and say something. And we talked to the National Football League and NFLPA. We had a lot of calls between us. Uh, we had an idea for me to kind of mediate everything, kind of have a one on one on tapes, get reporters to submit their their questions. Hmm. And I asked it. I mean, it was we had a lot of uh that would have been an interesting way. But look, I'm not only the expert on Marshawn. I know. I hate to ask you, know you about it, but I feel like if I, I feel like I should ask you about him a little bit. But I, you know, listen. I, he I think is he thinks this is funny. He like he's like Mike. Like you. That's the sense I questions. get. Yeah. So <laughs> real quick though, Ludacris's album is called Ludaverse. Ludaverse. And uh, yes, my bad, Luda. David Banner is a producer. Also, Mike Will made it, and Usher Raymond is also on there. And Sheck has no idea what we're talking about. Oh, yeah. Black Tie's so no cool. Idea. That's that's the thing, Michael Robinson, <laughs> no in case you don't know. Black Tie behind the glass is so cool. He's way cooler than me, except he's never seen the movies The Godfather. Whoa. He's never seen Goodfellas. Whoa. He's never seen Pulp Fiction. Whoa. 
Forrest Gump? Well, let me ask you something. Star Wars? Let me ask you something. Have you seen Belly? Oh, there we go. Have you seen Minister Society? Yes. Have you seen Lean on Me? Uh, yes. Have you seen Higher Learning? Yes. And what are you trying to challenge me? <laughs> no, what I'm do just you saying. Think? How did Higher Learning movie make you feel after you walked out of the movie theater? What do you mean? How did it make me feel? Oh, come on. I mean, that's the question. Ooh. I didn't see Higher Learning. <laughs> Jive. Oh, Jive. I haven't seen Higher Learning too, but still. I was, you I haven't seen lie. Higher Learning? <laughs> Give me your black car, please. Give it back. I don't well, think I've. I, I, outside of Girl Six, I've seen every Spike Lee movie. You haven't seen Girl Six? It's no. It wasn't. Have you seen Sugar Hill? I. No. Don't I didn't, lie. Didn't no, you? I didn't see Sugar okay. Hill. Okay. You My seen. favorite Spike Lee pictures are Crooklyn. I love. I, I, I think movie. it's great. Um, Black Tie's never heard of that, let alone seen it. Um, I'm trying to think. Oh, um, I liked uh, Inside Man quite a bit. Did you see Inside that? Man was a really with good Clive movie. Owen? Really good movie. See, my wife. You just said Inside Man with Clive Owen. Yeah. Oh, Denzel was the leading man. Oh, and Denzel. See, <laughs> look at what I'm doing again, Black look Tie. Look at you, man. <laughs> Black Tie is trying to. I don't know what Black Tie's trying to do except embarrass me. When All he I hasn't seen is, any of these movies. All I said is, again, Ludiversal, you had no idea what it was. That's all it is. What do you think is the worst, most egregious oversight? I mean, not, not having seen the movies I just listed for you. Which is the one? He has to see one of these. He's never seen Star Wars. Isn't that weird? That, that, yeah, that, that, that's really who doesn't, that's who, like part of being an American. Of course. You know what I mean? Star that's Wars right. is just what it is. Um, the Godfather, man. I'm a gangster movie type of guy. Yeah. I have it at home. I'll, I'll get to it. I guess it's, it's <laughs> that's on a there, lie. Sure. Can you imagine? I gave that to him as a Christmas present. The Godfather Still and two. It. Not, it's too busy. Let me tell you a Christmas gift I got from Jay Paterno. He's gonna kill me for saying this. Going into my senior year, I, well, in, during my senior year, he gave me a Christmas gift, and it was Glory, the movie. Ooh, that's a good one. It was a great. Uh, I've already seen it like fifty times at that point in my life, and um, yeah, I remember going back to my dorm room and showing my friends, and they're like. What's happening here? He gave you glory. It was just funny, man. He would kill me for saying that story, man. But, uh, <laughs> that great movie, though. That great is movie. kind of outrageous. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was funny, though. He meant well. He meant well. But I, <laughs> I don't necessarily know what he was trying to teach me right there. But <laughs> perseverance or something. I don't know. But uh, That's one of the best. Have you ever seen Glory, Black Tie? If you say no. I have not seen Glory. Oh, my God. Denzel is. I know. Is crying when he's getting whipped. Mm-hmm. I've seen, I've seen, I've seen Glory Road though. Mm-hmm. Oh, so that song <laughs> we sung it before a game. I was just gonna Pete say, Carol. yeah, Pete Carroll made us sing it before. Game. <laughs> I love that. And we got our a we got it handed to us. Is that, that right? Game. Yes, we did. I have always submit. <laughs> I I thought that that would be a great thing for no, any team to do before a game. We watched it the Saturday meeting before we watched some highlights of that part when he started singing and then that next day on sunday we started humming. lordy tomorrow we go into battle mm. oh my lord 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 i see marcus i see marcus you like it huh oh my lord 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 come on dave mm-hmm. come on dave you got it mm-hmm. tomorrow we go out onto the gridiron with a playbook in one hand and a good book in the other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't make much difference if we win or lose, because we men. We men, ain't we? 
Oh my Lord, 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 Lord. Oh my Lord, 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 Lord. Here go I ahead, come. Dave. Here I come. Go ahead. Today we go out, and I want everything you got, Dave. You, you got to get your diaphragm in it when you're talking, Dave. And you know what? When we when we go on this show, the Mike Robin Dave show. It's going to be a great podcast. Oh, my Lord, 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 Lord. <laughs> hey, man. Oh, y'all look That crazy. was terrific, Michael Robinson. Oh, my God. Now, Black Tie, it would have been great if Black Tie had joined I was us. feeling that. I was feeling that. <laughs> I got I really Dewey. Was. I got Dewey. <laughs> I put everything I had into that one, Michael Robinson. I left nothing on the field. Oh, Hey, man. real, real quick. Are you, as a Seahawks backer, Black Dice trying to wrap us up here, you got more important things to do. Although I don't know that anything more important Not in that is going to happen than no, what just happened no, here. No. Topicals, um, maybe topicals. But. Just real fast, what do you think about the Jimmy Graham? I mean, this is the, will the team now transition from being – Defense first. Will that will it inform? Will they have to open it up now? Because uh, I don't think the team. I don't think a Pete Carroll coach team will ever go from being defense first. And I think they're still going to try to run the ball. But I do think that yeah, this team is moving away from Marshawn Lynch to more of a Russell mm-hmm. um, uh, Russell's offense, Russell's team. When you this is the first time in his career he's had a number one, true number one receiver. Maybe a tight end, but let's say, hey, sure. Jimmy, Jimmy's a wide receiver, and I think. You're gonna st- because Russell's numbers will start to match some of the elite quarterbacks now. I think he's gonna start to be in those conversations because I mean in the red zone, who do you stop? Do you put two men on on Jimmy Graham? If you put two guys on Jimmy Graham, you got Paul Richardson on one side, you got Doug Baldwin in the slot, and you also have Beast Mode behind you. Who do you defend? And then if they get in the shotgun and run the read option, Russell is part of that rushing attack. So I mean, I think I think it's just gonna propel his career, and then having Jimmy Graham is gonna be the big convenience. Um, for Beast Mode. Did it drop your jaw though when you heard it, or did you feel like they're trying? I I know they're trying to get some. They're looking I, to get a big pass catcher. I knew they were trying to do something splashy like that, but in my opinion, and I'm a running back. You know, I'm a I'm an, I'm an, I like the offensive line. I like the trenches. Max Unger was a very hmm. valuable piece there, and I can and I don't know. I hadn't talked to him, but I do know. I could probably guess Tom Cable wasn't very happy. With that being that he mm. lost James Carpenter also, and he also has mm. an undersized guard and J.R. Sweezy next to him, so um, I think you'll see more spread offense because the spread offense is set up to run the ball. I think you'll see more of that. And Marshawn Lynch being a unique back, he can play in any scheme. But they're going to spread you out, throw the ball, and have Marshawn do his thing in between the hashes. Well, I want uh, I want you to promote your foundation. And- yes, yes, our signature program is Team XL. Um, GoTeamExcel.org. My um, my foundation is Excel to Excellence. T O, not the number two. Excel to Excellence. dot org, uh, or you can go to realmikerob.com. You can find out everything, man. We're gonna change the face of education. That's really what it's all I'll about. I'll tell you what. I, I really one of the very nicest guys we've come across in the let's get a the show. Last many years. Let's Listen, get watch what I started to tell you. Bro. Me, you, Ike Taylor, AJ Hawk. Oh, I'm down. We got it. We got it. I mean, that's a I'm group. Down. That would Let's be a good it. show. All right, I gotta go call Jay Paterno Please. and see if he can send out a copy of Glory to Black Tie. Unbelievable Black Tie. Shame on you, sir. All right, there he goes. The great Michael Robinson. And here we go to 
Thanks to Michael Robinson. He gave you the information. Make sure you look that up. Also, Bucky Brooks at Bucky Brooks. Go to NFL.com. Check out his latest mock draft. That's there for you. We'll be back with more Huey and Applesauce later on. We're going to do that Patriots thing I promised you a week ago, looking back at the last two months and how the final minute of the game would have affected things. In the meantime, thanks so much, football fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.